מגיע? זה לא נלחץ. אולי בגלל שאלו תופסים את זה. לא, זה קונקשן איז בעד. אני יכול להביא לך מוסד משלי. אתה רוצה להיכנס לווייפה שלי? זה התחיל, זה התחיל. זה עובד? אולי, גרייט. אוקיי. שלום וברכה, אבריוואן. No no milk, I'm flashing. Okay. Black, cinnamon. <laughs> All right, my boy sign. We're gonna. I have to plug this in. One second, one second. You see, I need a. Co- you can tell I need a coffee. No sugar. No sugar. Cinnamon. So you see, nothing's working. One second, I'll stop this recording. That means the internet connection I have. I paid 300 shekels for nothing. That's what it means. Recording stopped. Okay. Did I miss anything else? I don't think I missed anything else. It's all working, you said, right? So, uh, it's Eivsik, it's Eivsik Lamsa. I think it's working. Facebook isn't responding. It's not working. Okay, that's it. You want to connect to mine? Yeah, one second. Not much. What's your name? I come I didn't see it. Avremi, very zone. You say it sounds like Avremi and Raizi, Verizi. That's what I heard. Very zone, very zone. One second. We are in the zone. Okay, we are in the zone. לאט לאט, אונבוליבובו. צריך לשדרג במכשיר. קניתי את זה באומן, השנה. I bought it now. מה פה? I bought it less than a half a year. אוקיי. What's that code? I lost it. I lost it. What's that code? זה היה. אוקיי, לאט לאט. Where is it? AES? So Shalom Obracha, nice to be here, nice to be back. I remember from last night. We have a lot to, to go into, something hopefully very special tonight. We're going to start uh, with a, a story in Agada 
which is expounded by the Rebbe. Nachman, Rabbeinu, in the Kutei Moran, from lesson 23 of the Kutei Moran to lesson 31, each lesson opens up a discussion between the wise men of Athens, Sabed Ve'atuna, and Rabbi Shobin Hanania. There's a story in the Gemara, Masechet Bechorot, Daf Chet Amud Bet, of an amazing story of Rabbi, the, the meeting of Rabbi Shubin Hanania and the wise men of Athens. First of all, who is Rabbi Shubin Hanania? He was called the wise man of the Jewish people. But the Agav, where is he buried? He's buried in Tzfat, below the care of the Arizal. Where it says Hoshea ben Beri, it's a mistake. It's not, uh, Rav Chaim Vital says himself, people call it Hoshea ben Beri. It's not Hoshea ben Beri, it's Rabbi Shubin Hanania. He was the Hakima di Yudai. He was the wise one of the Yidin. Because whenever... They needed to send someone to Rome to speak to the emperor on behalf of the Yidin, Pidyon Shvuyim. He was the one who was sent. It was Rabbi Shobin Hananya, okay? So he was once in Athens and he became very friendly with the emperor. The emperor liked him very much. And the emperor asked Rabbi Shobin Hananya, I have a question for you. How long does it take for a snake to get pregnant? So he answered, to give birth. So how long does it take for a snake to give birth? Seven years. So he said, that why, the, the emperor said it can't be. Because the wise men of Athens said it's three years. He said it's wrong, they're lying, it's not, not, it's not correct. The, the snake was pregnant four years before. So he, so he said, but you see that the snake, even after it's pregnant, it continues to have relations like a human, like the, 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 has relations. So, so that can't be. So he said, Rabbi Shemuchananya, that the snake is the only animal like human beings. Rashi says that all animals, when they get pregnant, they don't have any more relations. But, uh, but, but the snake is different, it's like the human beings. So the emperor said, but they're smart, they're wise. These guys are sharp. So Rabbi said, but I'm smarter. <laughs> so the emperor said, I want you to prove that to me. Bring to me here to Rome the wise men of Athens. There were 60 of them. How many? 60. Where do they live? All the way in Athens, which is in Greece. So Rabbi he said to the emperor, prepare for me a ship, a boat, with 60 rooms, and in each room, Put 60 chairs, okay? So per perfect um, a ship of 60 rooms, 60 chairs, and they set sail to Athens. He gets to Athens, and he's asking people, where is the college, the the academy of the wise men of Athens? No one wants to tell him. They're scared to tell him. So he went to the butcher, and he asked the butcher, tell me, and the butcher was in the middle of cutting an animal. He had an animal he was cutting up, Rabbi Shobin Hananya said to the butcher, how much for your head? In other words, the head of the animal, your head, the, animal, the head of the animal. So he said, half a zuz. So Rabbi Shobin Hananya put the money on the table. He said, okay, give me your head. So the butcher cut off the head and put the head of the animal on the table. He said, no, I want your head. I paid for your head. <laughs> and he had a law there that when you have a mekkah, when you have a deal, you can't go back on it. And he said, I want your head. And he said, but I... What are, you, what are you playing games with me? He said, I said your head, right? He said, yes. So I asked for your head. You want to get out of this? He said, yes, I want to get out of this. He said, show me the entrance to the Academy of the Wise Men of Athens. He said, no, 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 no. Don't ask this of me. Don't. They find out that I told you, they're going to kill me. So he said, I have an idea. What's the idea? I want you to take what's called the Machzelet Shevkanim, a bundle of reeds, roll it up, like you know the schach that we have in the sukkah, roll it up, put it on your, on your shoulder, and I want you to walk in front of me, 
And when you reach the entrance to the wise men of Athens, the academy, pretend like you're <sighs> taking a break, put it down, okay? And that way I'll know that that's the entrance. And then, can, and then after five seconds, whatever, put back the bundle, continue walking. They won't know it's you. And I'll know that's the entrance. So he said, okay. He went in front of him. At the entrance, he stopped. He put the, the, the bundle on the side. And he, he knew that was the entrance. So Mishim Hananya, he gets to the entrance. And he sees something very interesting. He sees there's guards at the outside of the entrance. And there's guards on the inside. And the threshold, that means the entrance itself, was very wide. And on the earth, on the floor, there was subin. Subin is bran. Why was a subin on the earth? Because when a person makes footprints, it's easy to notice the footmarks in the bran, in the subin. What did he understand, Rabbi Yishuv and Hananya? That the guards would only kill somebody who went totally through the threshold. So somebody crossed from the outside into the inside, Okay, only then were they allowed to kill the person who went in. And also the opposite, anyone who would leave, they would kill. But they can only kill someone who passes entirely the threshold. So what did Rabbi Shubin Hananya do? He put his shoes on backwards, and he walked into the threshold, <laughs> up to the point, right before the end of the threshold, up to that point, and they're telling him, don't, don't, we're going to kill you, we're going to kill you, we're going to kill you. He walked up to the end of the threshold, and then he walked back, so he didn't cross the threshold, they couldn't kill him. And then he followed his footsteps back, and he went back over there, and he waited to see what's going to happen. And on patrol were the wise men of Athens. They sent a patrol to check on the guards that they're doing their job. So they saw footsteps going in, because that's why they had the brand there. So the, the wise men had the guards outside killed. So that means now the place is left without any guards outside. They killed the guards. Uh, yeah, they killed the guards. In the meantime, there's no guards on the outside. So then, when the wise men of Athens left, after killing the guards outside, and they cleaned the bran, they cleaned the subin, and now it's, it's now no trace. So then he put on his sandals normally, his shoes normally, and again he walked in, but up to the edge of the threshold, and then he walked back. Okay? So I made a mistake. The, the shoes were reversed, so they killed the guards on the inside, because somebody left. Because they see somebody leaving. He put his sandals on backwards. So he kills the guard on the inside. And then after they killed the guard on the inside, he put the sandals on normally, but he didn't cross entirely. And they went back, and then they came, they killed the second group of guards. So in the meantime, there's no guards to watch over the entrance. So he went in. They, they left, the wise men of Athens left after killing the, the second group of guards, and he walked right in. He went into the main room, and he sees two state, two levels of the wise men of Athens. On the bottom were all the older ones, the older men of the wise men of Athens. And on top were all the young wise men of Athens, okay? So you saw what was the trick? What was the trick? If you would say first greetings to the older men on the bottom, the ones at the top would say, but we're on the top. Okay, they're older, but we're, we're, we're more respectable on the top. And if you would say greetings to the ones on the top, the ones at the bottom would say, but we're the elders, we're older. He saw the trick here also. So he said, Shalom Aleichu. He said, Shalom to everybody. <laughs> shalom to everyone. So he said to him, who are you? And what do you want? He says, I'm Rabbi Shoban Hananya. I'm the wise man of the Jews. And I come to learn Torah from you. I come, sorry, I come to learn from you. Sorry. So they said, aha, fine. We have a lot of questions to ask you. And we want to challenge you. So he said, very well. Okay? I have like a deal. If you win me in the challenges, you can do with me as you wish. But if I win, I ask all of you to come and eat lunch with me. To eat bread with me on my on my ship. 
on my boat. Very well. So the Gemara brings all these arguments very finely. For example, they brought him two pieces of cheese and they said to him, tell us which cheese comes from the white goat and which cheese comes from the black goat. So what did he do? He brought two eggs and he says, first you tell me which egg comes from the white chicken and which egg comes from the black chicken. Okay? The one that we want to go into tonight, which Rabbi Nachman opens up in Lesson 24 of Likut Imran, it's Em Tsa'uta Da Alma. They asked him, where is the center of the world? How's that in a connection, by the way? It's good? It's okay? Very good. Yeah. Okay. They asked him, what is the center of the universe? Sorry, what is the center of the world? I lost the connection here. Maybe go on my, on my one here, too. His Wi-Fi is not good? Sorry, guys. The Wi-Fi is not working. How, how good? Because uh, it's not here. It's supposed to be here, your computer. No, no, it's not. You have Wi-Fi in the whole house? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not. It was just turned off. But it wasn't working before? It was, but it stopped in the middle. So go to mine. No, no. I, I can't even get anywhere now. No, I'm, I'm stuck. Stopped, I'm, 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 I mean, maybe it could, but I don't know why it's not. Minias. You said Minias? Yo, oh, Minias. Tonight is oh, only good Minias. Oh, my Click. God. Click on the, on the Wi-Fi. Yeah, I yeah. am. Okay, and we'll continue. We'll go back on, we'll go back on. But this is recording still, this is recording still. People are watching. So we'll continue. In the meantime, you want to figure it out? Fine. Mm-hmm. Listen. Okay. So the one that, that, that we're going to go on tonight is they, he, they asked him, Em tsa'uta de alma hecha. They asked him, where is the center of the universe? So he raised his finger and he said, right over here. <laughs> they said to him, Mi Emar, who says? So he said, I to Ashle Umoshko, bring a measuring cord and measure. You'll see that I'm right. Here's the center of the universe. Okay? What? Listen, you know, the Vilna Gaon, uh, Feldheim, 30 years ago, put out a book called The Juggler and the King. Have you seen this big book before? Feldheim, where they bring the Agadetas, this story, and the Vilna Gaon's interpretation. I think, and also the Maharal Niprag, also in the Maharsha. There's a few Mefarshim on, the, on, on this story. Some interpreted the idea of the, of the center of the universe being the Bet Dash. Fine, that's but that's pshat you would think. But uh, let's see how how Rabbi Nachman interprets it. So there's like 13 of these arguments. I just brought one and the one of the cheese. There's a few more. He won all of them. He won all the arguments. So they came to, with him to his ship to eat bread. Now before when when Yishu, Rabbi Yishu ben Hanania arrived in Athens, he took a bag. He, sorry, sorry. At this point, when going onto the ship, before they got on the ship, he had a bag with him, a sack, and he filled it with earth. Something's wrong. I don't know what. It's my computer. The computer is acting funny. Frozen. Frozen. Want to start it? Whatever. Open. Frozen. Even that doesn't open. Open. Restart. Don't want. That's power down all the way. Otherwise, yeah. And then we restart. Mm. Wonderful, Minius. Wonderful, Minius. So, he took some earth from the from the earth there in Athens. He put it in the bag, and now he didn't let, put them all on the ship together. He let them one at a time. He took the first one, the first wise man. He put him in the first room. Sit down here, and he closed the door. So, what does he see? He sees fifty-nine empty chairs. Okay. So what does he think? Oh, my friends are coming. So he's waiting there, waiting and waiting. In the meantime, what happens when you wait in line for, for five hours? 
You start getting uh, tired and drained, and you start losing it, okay? So he did that the first room. He took the second wise man, he put him in the second room, and he sees again 59 chairs. So what does he think? My friends are coming. And he did that for all the 60 rooms. When all the wise men of Athens were in each other room, he told the captain, okay, let's go. Set sail, let the ship go. So they went from Athens to Greece. On the way, they passed by what's called an, um, uh, uh, Bay Blue A. Bay Blue A is like a tornado in the sea. In English, we call it an eddy. An eddy means it's water and it's sucking up everything, everything inside. The ship passed the edge of the eddy. It didn't go into it. It just barely missed it by, the, by, by like whatever, and by, by centimeter, and he passed it by an edge. And Rabbi Shubin Hananya, at that moment when they passed the, the, the eddy, he saw three images over the eddy, over the tornado in the sea. He saw an image of hands on the head, a second image of hands on the heart, and a third image of hands behind the back. At that point, he took a jug, and he lowered himself on the edge of the ship as it was passing the eddy, after seeing this also the images, and he took water, he filled the jug with water from the Bay Blue A's, as it's a tornado, he took some of that water, which is turning like a, a tornado, into the jug. And then the, the ship continued to roam. He brought the wise men of Athens in front of the emperor, and they were very subdued because they were tired, because they were all waiting and waiting in the rooms for the other guys to come in. So they were all very nichna. So he said, here, I present to you the wise men of Athens. The emperor says, these are not the wise men of Athens. These are not them. They're Balgaivaniks. They're aristocratic. They speak with a lot of gaiva. You guys are like, eh, you took people from the shuk maybe. What did you bring me? So he said, watch. He took from the earth that he took from, the, from, the, from Athens. And he sprinkled it on the wise men of Athens. They smelled their homeland. They smelled their homeland. They woke up again and they started acting. And they started acting Balgaivaniks and everything. And the emperor says, yeah, these are, these are the wise men of Athens. And I want you to kill them. He told me, I want you to finish them off. She said, very well. Let's do this. Just one second. Okay. Again. Let's hope that it works this time. Okay. Recording in progress. So what he did, Rabbi Shoben Hananya, he asked him, bring me a, a cistern, an urn for hot water. You know, the, the hot water boiler. Bring me a cistern. They brought it to him. He took the water from the jug that he took from the tornado, the, the eddy, the Beblue. He poured it into the cistern and he told the wise men of Athens, fill this urn with water and you're free to go. So they brought buckets of water and they poured it into the cistern. But the water that he poured in first from the jug from the tornado sucked the water. <laughs> Where did it go? They couldn't figure this out. This doesn't make sense. This is totally irrational. They kept on pouring water and the water gets sucked in. They couldn't figure this out. And they couldn't give in to it. They couldn't, figure, they, they couldn't accept it. So he kept on pouring more water and more water. All of them until they all died. They out of exhaustion, they all die. Okay? This is the Gemara. The Marasha says, as you know, all the deepest secrets of the Kabbalah are in the stories in the Gemara. The stories in the Gemara have all the secrets of the Torah. Okay? It's known that uh, the Arizal, he's the one who opened up the Zohar of the Kabbalah. And it says, the Mefarshim say, and the Midrash, who's going to open up the secrets in the Midrash? Mashiach. 
when Sheikh Tzidkan is open the secrets in the Midrash. Because the Midrash, what's contained in the Midrash is standing much on a higher level than the Zohar. Because the Zohar is clear Kabbalah. But in the Midrash, it's totally hidden. The Midrash and the Agadatas, it's the same Hainuach, it's the same category. Mashiach will come to open up the secrets hidden in the, in the, Gemara, in the stories of the Gemara and the Midrash. Rav Nosen opens up this story in an amazing way. He said, Rav Nosen, in the Kutel Achot, Shabbat Halachahe, that he understood from Rabbeinu, Rabbi Nachman, that he wanted to open up this whole story. When he revealed in the Kutel Moran secrets of the exchanges, he said it would be fitting to begin to explain, explain the opening of the story and the end of the story. Rav Nosen saw Rabbeinu didn't do it. He said he passed away. Rabbeinu passed away early. So I felt it worthwhile to invest in opening up the secrets in these stories of the Gemara and all the details. So Rav Nosen goes into every detail. We'll, we'll go into a few of them. This idea of him reversing the sandals. What's the idea of the sandals? The sandals correspond to what it says by Moshe Rabbeinu. Shal na'alecha me'al raglecha. When Moshe Rabbeinu came to the Har Sinai, you saw the sneh, the burning bush, Hashem told him, take off your shoes. The Zohar says, on shal na'alecha da'iteta. This is of the taiva, of, of, of Kedusha Tabrit, the of the Brit. So Hashem was telling Moshe Rabbeinu to be here, you have to be totally separate from the physicality. No taivas, no tavot at all, totally kadosh v'tahor, totally, in order to stand here. So Rav Shemuel switching his sandals, Rav Nosen says, is the idea that a tzaddik works on himself more and more and more. Rabbeinu says in Chaim Moran that you have several levels of tzaddikim. You have tzaddikim that are stam tzaddikim, but you have tzaddikim, they're called tzaddikim gemurim. Like the Gemara says in Masachet Brachot, the difference between a tzaddik stam and a tzaddik gamur is a tzaddik stam still is afraid of potential averot shebeado, of averot that he could have done. He's still afraid of the, that he has a temptation and he has chasa shalom. If he's tested too much, he can fall. Tzaddik gamur is not afraid at all. Send me any test, he's super strong, he's passed the test. He compares Rabbein and Chaim Oran, these two levels of tzaddikim, to leather. When you buy, like, for example, a brand new leather wallet, you smell it. Ah, you smell the leather, right? But, you know, you're, the, 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 the wallet, after you use it for one year, two years, there's no more leather smell. There's no smell anymore. The good leather smell. It went away after a month, two months, three months. That's it. It's gone. So, too, you have tzaddikim, that they worked on themselves. Like, to, to, to work on leather, to make a, a wallet, to make something out of the leather, is like the nimshal of a tzaddik who works on his body. He works on sanctifying his body. But still, there's a smell. The leather still has a smell. He's not a complete tzaddik still. There still has a smell of a nisayon, that if he was to be tested, he would fall. Okay? But however, you have other tzaddikim, like the leather, that you keep on working on the leather more and more and more, until there's no more smell. You don't smell the leather at all. It went away totally. So to have tzaddikim, they're at that level, totally, totally clean from, from any, any taivis of Olam So now, when he saw the enemies in front of him, he said, ah, if I have enemies and I'm afraid to face them, it must mean that I'm not yet a tzaddik gamur. So he switched his sandals, which means, like the idea of, the, of working on the ore, the tanning the leather, he worked on his midot more and more and more, and he worked half, and it was able to kill the, 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 the guards on the inside, the guards that were killed, automatically, he didn't have to touch them, he didn't have to flick even, nothing. On, on, its, on its own, he did a trick, he didn't even touch them, and on their own, they fell, they were killed. And there's still soldiers on the outside. 
So what did he do? He again, he switched the sandals again, meaning he walked more in his midot, more in his midot, until the, uh, the other guards were also killed, wiped out totally. Okay? And then there's no enemies there, he was able to go in. This is how Rav Nosa explains the idea of the, of the, of the sandals. When you go into the story of the Gemara, the center of the universe, that's another point which is amazing, this idea of the water sucking in and the, the baby blue way, the water from the tornado. He says, Rav Nosin, this is the lust for money, Tavas Mamun. The lust for money, you're never satisfied. Right? One has 100, you want 200. You have 1 million. What do people say? When I get the million dollars, I'll stop. I'll go to Kola and I'll start learning all day. And he gets the million. Now he wants, I have a new project, maybe to buy a new big new house and everything. He wants 2 million all of a sudden. It doesn't end. It sucks a person up, sucks a person's life. That was the image you saw of the hands on the head, is that this ta'ava attacks the brain. What are you going to do learning in Torah all day and everything? Go get a job. How are you going to be farness? He uses the rationale why a person should run away from serving Hashem, the pshat, the, the revealed. In other words, a person is, instead of investing good, bi'ikar, on the learning and the davening, he pushes it on the side because you have to go make a parnasa. The yetzara attacks a person on the head. But there are people who are determined. They want to serve Hashem. They know, keva, Make the Torah the essence, the Ikar. And the, the work is, by the way, they pass that test. But the next test is the heart, the emotions. How could you do this? You still need to, you have, you're going through now tests of having no money at this time. What are you going to do for Shabbos? And the person's emotions are being attacked. The, the, the Muna, the Regish. And a person still passes that test. But the third test is the hardest, to the hands behind the back. The third image, that he saw the hands behind the back. That's where the Yitzhara tells a person, look at you, you're so firm, you work so much on davening on time, getting up for nets, and working on your midot, and where did it get you? You're absolutely nowhere. Look when you were married, you were so skinny and healthy, and now you're some shlep, shlemazlo, whatever. Look at you now, look at your midot, look where you went. Did you get anywhere? What did your Yiddishkeit help you? What did your Torah help you? What did now all the davening, where did it all go? You got nowhere, the hands behind the back. Go work. Go be, go be like a slave like everybody else. Go serve Olam Azeh. Go to work. Get a job. What are you doing? You see that your derech didn't work. I'm just learning and davening and trying to serve Hashem. It doesn't work. Go like everybody else. That's putting the hands behind the back. That you're not getting anywhere for your Yiddishkeit and Yishai to convince you. That's the biggest test of the, of the Yitzhar when it comes to that. But yet, that's the three Nisiono that he saw on the Yotavat Mamun, okay? And he killed them. He, show, he showed them that, 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 that it's a dead end. Ta'avat Mamun is a dead end. No one comes out alive from it. A person has to be very wise and smart to be able to bypass it, not to fall into the trap of the Ta'avat Mamun. So now, the story we want to get to, he raised, they asked him, where is the center of the universe? He raised his finger and he said, right over here. And they said, prove it. And he said, bring a, a cord and measure. They were asking him, the center of the universe, he said Beit HaMikdash, the gentleman before, but the center of the universe is the Or in Sof, the light of Hashem. The light of Hashem, Or in Sof, what is it? This is what gives every person a drive to do something in life. When you have an ambition, let's say Muchniut, you want to finish us, you want to, you want to finish Shulchan Aruch, you want to get married and have a family and raise children and everything, okay? And even Gashmir, you want to open a business, you want to do this, you want to, you want to learn a skill, a trade. Any person in the world that has an ambition and a goal in life, it's the or and soft shining light to that person that gives him the chayut, the shefa and the chayut to want to do it. 
you don't see it's coming from the Hashem, it's coming indirectly from Hashem, but that's what's giving the person the, 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 the feedback, the, the energy from this, okay? So they asked him, how does a person, how can I connect to reach the Ein Sof, to reach that light? Because the way a human being, Hashem made the way of every person, that when they see light, they run after it. The classic example is Har Sinai. Har Sinai, Hashem told Moshe Benu to make uh, a fence around Har Sinai. Hagbel et Ha'am. And, 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 and twice he told Moshe Benu. And Moshe Benu said, Hashem, you already warned us. He said, no, I know the Jewish people, that when they see the light, when they see me, Hashem, coming down on Har Sinai, and there's such a big light, they're going to come running after it. They're coming running, running after it, and you need someone to stop them, to put on the brakes. So he says, he shows from this, Rabbeinu explains the idea, that the nature of a person is when he has big light, to run after it. Even though he can't reach it. You can't reach the orange self. But the way of a person, is he doesn't know how to put on brakes. When there's light, you go in all the way. It's like, for example, an example, a person now is at like a Simcha Torah dancing. And the dancing doesn't stop. doesn't stop. And the person knows that if he stays till the end, he's not going to dive in on time, Shacharis. So the person knows how to put on the brakes, he says, if I go on and get carried away with the kid, and, and it's like a, a, it's intense. Everybody's dancing and dancing. You want to leave it because you feel so good. But you have to leave it because if you don't, you're going you're gonna to miss out on davening. But the, the, the tendency of people is to get swept away. They forget about themselves. So davening, uh, we'll, we'll worry about it tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll worry about it. What time I wake up? We'll, we'll, so, you know, a miracle will happen. And then the person wakes up at 11. You know, barely misses man kriyachma because uh, he, he, he fell into the trap of the light. It's a, too much light, too much intensity, but the person is after it. It's okay. Every person, Rabbi Nassim writes, goes through this. That when they have light, it's hard to leave it. It's going good, it's going smooth, I'm having a high, why not? So they asked him, how do, you, how do we actually reach it? So he raised his fingers and he said, here, through the hands. What's the hands? Rabbi Nachman teaches the hands is the idea of giving a bracha, the brachot. The bracha is, this, is, is associated with the hands. In fact, the Zohar says, a yid should never ever raise his hands empty. When you raise your hands, like in Potechet Yadecha and Asher, whatever, when Davin Hashem help me, make sure you daven with it. Because if you raise your hands empty, he's, the Zohar says something unbelievable. The ten fingers of a human being correspond to the ten Asar Mamarot, the ten utterances of the world, and the ten Sfirot. And they're shaped like pipelines. The fingers are shaped like Tzinorot, pipelines. When a Yid raises his hands, the fingers activate the ten Sfirot automatically. Automatically. So now, if it doesn't come with a recipient, if you don't say a bracha or a daven Hashem, help me, a bakasha, the channel, the shefa comes down, and it goes to the klipa. That's why you have on the other side of the hands, the fingers, you have the nails. Nails, nagel vasar in the morning. The biggest tomb of the body is on the, on the, on the hands. So if now you didn't, didn't daven or didn't do a bakasha, so it goes automatic to the other side. The Ramak, he points out, this doesn't apply if you're, you're working, you're like putting a hammer, you lift up your arm. I'm not talking about that. Or you have to do something, you're exercising, right? He says it's better when you have to stretch and you have to raise your hands, close your fingers so you don't activate the tensi in the road. Don't open your hands. You know, close them. Do your best to close, fine. But if you're working or doing something, the, 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 what the Zohar says doesn't apply. If apply someone, just stop. He raises his hands like that. Stop without a prayer, without a techina, without a bakasha. That's dangerous, okay? So the idea 
of bracha is associated with the hands. But now, what is bracha? What is bracha? When you hear bracha, bracha is, you know, chaye, mzone, right? Chaye, bani, mzone, bracha is having, you know, yiddishanachis, house, parnuse, 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 and everything. The Zohar says the main bracha is what's called Birkat HaSechem. The bracha of Da'at, to know Hashem. Da'at Kanita, Gemara Prikevo, remember? Da'at Kanita, Machasarta, Da'at Chasarta, Makanita. If you have Da'at, you have everything. person has Da'at, whatever Hashem sends him, the 50 square meter house, or the little bread and butter that he has, and the hummus, and that, that's all he has. If he has Da'at, he sees that Hashem sends him exactly what he needs. Okay, that Rabbeinu Kadosh, the, the, the Rabbi Udanasi and Rav Ashi and Moshe Ben were filthy rich because they had the Da'at and the, the transmission of the Torah was dependent on them. Rabbi Nachman teaches in Lesson 16 that big tzaddikim were responsible for transmitting the Torah for all of Israel. They need all the wealth in the world. The Ashirut is needed to transmit the Torah. But the Chidush is by Moshe Rabbeinu, Rav Ashi and Rabbeinu Kadosh and other tzaddikim who had money, were wealthy. It's they used it from Israel. They used it to teach Torah, to bring in a new pathway for, 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 the, for the whole world, okay? But it wasn't that, you know, they, they, they were successful because they had all this Ashirut. That's not the case. Person has dat, machasarta, dat kanita, dat chasarta, makanita. So the main bracha is to have sechel, because if you have sechel, you have everything. The Zohar says, this is hinted to in the word baruch, baruch, bet, resh, Vav Chaf, the Tikkun Ezra says it stands for Birchot Rosh, the blessings of the head, the intellect, the mind. Umekor Kol, and this is the source of everything. If you have the Sechel, which means whatever Hashem sends you in your life, it's great. The main thing is that I'm connected to the Ebishter. I want that Kesher of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I want to have that Kesher. This is the biggest Bracha. So he teaches when a person now aims for the Birchot Sechel, that's how he can perceive the Orient Sof. So going back, Rabbi Shemachananya raised his finger to say through the fingers, the hands, a person activates the bracha, and the main bracha is the sechel, and that's the key to perceive the Ein Sof. They said to him, Mi Yemar. Who says? Mi Yemar. Yemar, who says? The word Yemar is also like the word for exchange. Tumura. Parashat Bechukotai. Ve'im Hamer Yemirenu. Right? There's a switch. It's a, tw- it's a switch there. So they asked him, they said like this, in order to reach that level that a person wants the bracha of the sechel and, he's, and he has the, the idea of the bracha activated, a person has to first go down, down, down in life. He has to go into a place called Hechalat Murot. Hechalat Murot, in the Zohar, in the Kabbalah, they speak about this. This is where the Yetzirah lives. The Yetzirah is called the exchange chambers. Why? Because Yetzirah, how does he get a person? He fools him. He plays games. He switches things. He switches emet with sheker, tov with ra, you know, tameh with tahor. He switches everything. If the Yetzirah come with you as a Gestapo, Yomach Shemo, and Esav, Red, and everything with guns, for sure you're not going to listen to him. So Rabbi Nachman teaches how did Yetzirah come? He comes to a person with a groise streimel and big payas, and a big beard, he comes from the Yiddishkeit itself, because he knows that's how you're going to listen to him, and in that way he gets a person. In other words, all the frustrations and confusions you have within Yiddishkeit, that's how the Yitzhak gets a person. Okay? So they asked him, 
Mi'emar, in order to come to the bracha, the hands, and then to connect the Ein Sof, which is the light, to have this light in your life, you have to first go to extract the Kedusha that's trapped by the Klipot. And if you go in that area, you're in danger zone. And the only way to get out of danger zone is through Simcha. Doing mitzvot besimcha. Like the Pasuk says, ki besimcha tetzeu. With simcha, you get out. You get out of what? You get out of the klipot. So they asked him, people who go to that level, they're in danger. In fact, everybody goes in that level. So they asked him, who has the chutzpah to go purposely into the klipot, into the chechalat morot, to extract kedusha? So he answered them, aitu ashle umoshchu. You bring, you wise men of Athens, bring a cord and measure. What does that mean? He says like this, Rabbi Nachman. I to you will bring Ashle. Ashle is a rope, and the Yidin are called a rope. We're called Chevel Nachalato. We're the triple, we're called a cord, a rope that's made of three strings. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. We have a strong foundation. You can't break us. No one can break us. I'm Israel, we're still here. After the Holocaust, after Choban Bayit, Rishon, Pogrom, Tachvatat, Chmanitsky, the Inquisition, after everything, everything, 2,000 years, and we're, they're still Yedin with Peyas and Kippa and Sitzis and Chinuch and Yiddish Kinder. How could it be? It doesn't make sense that we're still standing. We're still here because we're Chevel Nachalato. We're a strong foundation and no one can break us. So he said to them, you guys will bring us in the future, because it says there, right? That in the future, the Gemara says, in the future, the Goyim are going to bring the Yidin back to Eretz Yisrael. There's many Psukim. In these Haftaras of the seven Shabbatot leading up to Rosh Hashanah, you have all these, all these Psukim that the Goyim are going to take the Yidin from, from Lakewood and bring them back to Yerushalayim, Beit HaMikdash and everything. We're all coming back. Okay? So he said, I too, you guys are going to bring us back. Moshchu. The word Moshchu means to measure. Medida. The word Medida appears in Shmuel Aleph when David HaMelech captured Moab, and what did he do? He put them, he lied them on the ground, and then he measured, measured them. And he said, anyone who passes this measurement will cut off their legs, will kill them. So they all, they all passed the measurement, and David HaMelech killed all of them. So Rabbeinu learns from this that Medida means to kill the klipot. So he answered Rishim Hananya, the way to be saved from the Hechalat Murad, the exchange, and the main exchange, by the way, of the Yetzara, the main, main avodah of the Yetzara is to make a person sad, period. Atzvut is the biggest accomplishment of the Yetzara. Where do we know that from? Parshat Kitavo coming up. 98 klalot, right? Terrible things. You can eat your children. All these terrible, terrible curses Moshe Rabbeinu is mentioning. Why all this? Tachat Asher, lo avatem et Hashem elokechem. Besimcha, it says, uvtub levav, besimcha. The Torah doesn't say because you didn't serve Hashem, period. It says you didn't serve Hashem, besimcha. When they asked, when the Litvaks asked the breast of us, where does it say, mitzvah gedolah, we have besimcha. Where, where, where is the tag mitzvah? This is the pasuk. It's the cup, it's, it's called the mitzvah gedola. There's tariag mitzvot, and the mitzvah gadol is tachat asher, besimcha. The Torah itself is saying, the punishments don't come for not doing the mitzvah. It, it comes because the person didn't do the mitzvah besimcha. Because when a person doesn't do things besimcha, he eventually loses it. He drops it. It falls off. So when a person goes to the hechalat murot, the main attack they do is to make a person sad. So he answered them, you guys are going to bring us, and the simcha is going to be so strong, and you're going to be wiped out. 
What's the answer? He didn't answer the question. The answer is that when a yid is thrown into this danger zone of the Echalat Mot, his way to get out is to be besimcha. But how do you expect me to be besimcha when I'm overwhelmed by everything I'm going through in life? So here, this is what Rav Nosin once told, told somebody. Rav Nosin said once, someone came to him, he said, I don't know how to be happy. You know, I can't. I'm going through so many tzuras in my life, and this is draining my energy, and this is taking my koach and everything. I don't want to be happy. So he told, Rav Nosin told him, you have to borrow the simcha from the future. Borrow it. Borrow the simcha from the future, which means what? When a person is going through what he's going through in life, the difficulties, he sees it bad because he's looking very close. For example, you have a, uh, okay, you, t- you have a phone or something. Okay, it went far. It looks pretty clean. When you look at close, ah, here's a dot here. I see a scratch here. You know, when you want to try to buy something new, you buy a new car, right? What do you do? You take the, you take the, the what's it called, the microscope, the and you're looking for every corner. It is a scratch here, is here. I'll take off 20 bucks for this. I'll take off $50. I'm not going to buy a used car for that much money. You start looking, examining all the blemishes, okay? Because when you look up close, you see bad. A parent also for a child. When they're, when, why, why are parents so mock-paid? Tuck your pants in. Put your, your pants. Wash your hands in the morning. Why is the parent so much on the child? Because he's looking like this. He's so close. He sees only the blemishes. He sees that this is missing, this is missing, this is everything is chisaron. The Eitzah, Rav Nosen says, he's giving here, is you have to now make a distance. Push away. It looks better, yeah? Yeah, it looks better. It looks better. It looks better. Yeah, it looks nice, okay? So he says, Rav Nosen, everything you're going in life, when you look at it in perspective of the big picture, which means that in the end, Hashem's going to have His way. If you know that in the end, everything's going to work out. There's going to be a Mashiach, Tchet HaMetim. So why are you crying? Why are you so upside down? Yeah, but this is happening and this, and I lost this relative, and he's dying and can't. But if you know that in the end, everything's going to be fixed, all the suffering is going to be wiped out. Everything's going to be good. Why are you crying now? We weren't crying now. It hurts. Because how you look at it, you're up here. Step back. Look at the whole picture. When you look at the whole picture, and in that how in the end, you're just like a real, like a film. And our 80 years, 90 years, is like just one fraction of one film. A piece of the film. There's a film with like 2,000 meters. And there's a piece of the movie. You're only one little piece of the movie. Look at the whole picture, that in the end, there's going to come Mashiach, everything's going to work out. So why are you crying? Why are you upside down? So that's what Rav Nosson is saying, how Rabbeinu is explaining this, this idea, that the Rav Shibar Khanayu is saying to them, with the simcha that we didn't use, that in the end, we, we have the last laugh. Right? Who has the last laugh? We get up, he punches us. We punch him back, he punches us back. Who gives the last punch? But who has the last laugh? We have the last laugh. Yeah, the Yitzhara takes away from a person so much, so much. But in the end, who gives the last punch? That's what matters. And we know that Hashem's going to get the last punch, we're going to win. So this, he says, is the biggest Yitzhara for a person to have simcha what they're going through. When you look at the whole picture, you're laughing. We have, we have a saying in Breslev, Nachman benosen lachen von ganzer Welt. Rabbi Nachman and Rosen, they're laughing at everybody. <laughs> they're laughing at everybody. Because everybody's complaining about what they're going through and this, and we have to do tshuva and everything, everyone's panicking and this and that. And these two tzaddikim, they saw the whole picture, and they're laughing at everything and everybody. Because why? If now you're in tuned with the ultimate redemption, everything is okay. 
I heard a story of a, of a mother and daughter. They went through together the entire Holocaust together and they survived. They went through the camps together. They made it through. And what was funny about this lady? She was nonstop laughing. The Gestapo couldn't understand. She's like laughing and laughing and laughing. And they asked her, why are you laughing? He said, because I see the whole picture. And then Hashem is going to win. Hashem is going to win. They were so like amazed. They didn't touch her. They didn't touch her daughter. She made it through the whole war with just laughing and cracking up. She saw people dying and everything. And instead of crying, she was laughing. It's like the Gemara, the famous Gemara, where Rabbi Akiva and the other Chachamim, they went to the Churban Beit HaMikdash and they saw a fox. You remember the famous Gemara? They saw the fox running between the rocks of the Beit HaMikdash. So the Chachamim, they started to cry. And Rabbi Akiva started to crack up. So the Chachamim, they said, what are you cracking up? You know, this is the fulfillment of the, of the Pasuk and the Navi about the Shual coming, that's the sign of the destruction, everything. We're crying now. And he said, but there's another Pasuk of a higher Nechama, that when this happens, so then the Nechama, the consolation will come. It's the beginning of the consolation. It's like a joke I heard also from Reb Michal, Reb Michal Dorfman. He told me a nice joke once. He said there was a guy who was dying, a Yid who was dying, and he was about to be Goses. He was about to be the last stage. So he told them, bring me uh, plums that have worms in them. Bring me plums with worms. And they said, what? He said, yes, give me to eat. I want to eat now plums with worms. He said, what? I said, why? He said, because in heaven, when they're starting hitting, they're hitting me, you know, and this is for this, and this is for that, I'm going to punish you. When I know they say, this is for the worms and the plums, I know this is the end, because they're about to die. <laughs> it's the end, right? Again, the idea to look from far. He has a whole lesson in the Kutimah, lesson Reish Nun 250, that when Hashem wants to save a person, where does the salvation come from? It comes from the future. The future shines to the present. It's like a, two candles, right? So you light one candle from the other candle. You don't diminish the first light. The light, you know, even though you light a second candle, the famous Rashi, that you don't diminish from the first light. So too, the, the future redemption is so complete Anytime a person needs help, what does he have to do? He has to like zoom out into the future. And with this energy of positiveness that he has, he comes back to the present and is able to deal with the problem. The reason why a person is upside down is because they get so sucked in to what they're going through in the present. You get, it, just, it just swallows you up. So what to do? Don't, get in, don't, don't look at it. Don't even pay attention because it's just going to ruin you. are not coming from a good place. What's needed is to bring in a big light and then you can go back. All this, shkoyach, fine and dandy, it's all theoretical. What do you want me to do in the Maise? We're speaking blah, 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 all these things. The answer is, in that Rabbi Yishob ben Hananya, he raised his finger. They asked him, how do I connect to Ein Sof? What did he do? He raised his finger. He could have said, you know, they asked him, where's the center universe? He could have just explained to them, the idea of the hands. But the Gemara illustrates he raised his finger. What's that idea? That ultimately, who does all this? This is the tzaddikim. Meaning what? You want simcha in your life? You want to have simcha in these challenges of the hechalat murot and then reconnecting to Hashem and taking the holiness and going up and having bracha and ain't sof, which means basically passing all the challenges in life. We said last time when we went into this, remember, that to Simcha you get out of everything. Simcha is the key out. How? How do I do this? You need a Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah in your life. 
You need a tzaddik who has activated this. And if you are a chassid of a tzaddik, what does that mean to be a chassid, by the way? Okay, I'm a chassid. You know, oh, he's chassidish, he's little. What does it mean to be a chassid? It's a big term. A chassid means he has a tzaddik above him. It is a chassidim of the tzaddikim. What does that mean? That means I have someone there always for me that when I have a crash and my connection of Hashem is like broken and it's dry and it's dead, the tzaddik's job is to give me like an electric shock, boom, to wake me up, to get me back into perspective. Hey, don't sleep. Hey, wake up. There's still hope. There's something to do. A person alone in this galut, forget it. You need a tzaddik to shine into the light. This is what Bishop Hananya hinted to with raising his finger up. He raised his finger to show that the, the tzaddikim have this koach and we need to attach ourselves to the tzaddikim. Now Rav Nosin, he takes this a step further and he says like this. Okay, get ready for this. <laughs> he says that today Am Yisrael has fallen so low in the Hechal Atmurot, in the exchange chambers, that there's no living tzaddik who has that strength to go down that low and to reconnect and bring us out. The only hope we have today are tzaddikim who already nifter, already passed on. Why? Because the Gemara says clearly, and the Midrash, tzaddikim bemitatam kurim chayim. Tzaddikim, when they pass on, they're called living. And the second Gemara, gdolim tzaddikim bemitatam yotemi bichayim. Tzaddikim are greater after they pass on. Why is that? Because when a tzaddik is in a physical body, he can only help you so much. He's still a human being. A tzaddik can help you up to X, okay? But if a person now has passed the Y to Z after he's lower, and that tzaddik doesn't have the capacity, who's going to help him? He can't reach that level. However, a tzaddik who's nifter, he's no more, lim- no more longer limited in his physical existence. He has unlimited access of unlimited levels of Kedusha and energy to help anybody, to go down, to help that person. So if Nusin writes, today, the main salvation of Yidin is the Tzaddikim who passed on, which is why it's such a big Inyan to go to Kivrit Tzaddikim. And he goes into Rav Nusin, how big it is the idea of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, especially like Baumer, it's such a big inyan to be connected to tzaddikim or nifter because you're po'el so much of these tzaddikim. That what? That whenever you're going through what you're going through, the light of these tzaddikim give you that hope that even when you feel that you're in a situation where it's dead end, they send you a light, the all that they have, that he raised his finger, like to shine into you. So we'll finish with this because we're all tired. We should be zoche to have tzaddikim who shine they're lighting to us constantly to be connected to these tzaddikim and to reach simcha. The simcha I need to get out is through the big tzaddikim and the koach to be able to borrow simcha from the future is also to the tzaddikim especially and we should have that light Hashem.